Hey, good evening. It's Sunday, half past seven, and I'm back. It's uh, what are we on season three, episode. Did I say 36, Charlie? I think I did before I come out. See, I repeat it out. <laughs> I remember. So, uh, thanks for joining me, guys. Um, if you're watching this, we're filming this live on Facebook, but if you happen to listen to this on the podcast or uh, YouTube at a later date, then don't forget to subscribe. And then that way you'll keep updated on uh, any interviews, any more mindset stuff I got coming out. So um, tonight we are talking about overthinking with Asperger's. I've got a great guest back on for the second time, <laughs> Charlie Morehouse. And uh, you're um, one of, you trained at Chant Martial Arts with us as well. Yeah. And just kickboxing, because that's how mm -hmm. I got to know you. Um, yes. So tonight we're going to talk about... Um, you know, how you cope with your, with overthinking. We're going to talk yes. about Asperger's and you've had quite a good chat with your mum. So you're going to kind of share some yeah. about, you know, how that maybe, how your mum had to deal with, you know, finding yeah. that, um, yeah. you know, how to deal with, you know, the Asperger's that you have and, and yourself. But I yeah. gotta say, I, I have been really excited for tonight, Charlie, because the last interview, um, well, you know, the first one we did, I, I got so much from that. And it was just little snippets that, I learned. I think you got, and I said to you off camera, you, you know, um, you, you got a, you got a lot of wisdom there. You got and for age <laughs> 22 or nearly 22. So nearly 22, right? Uh -huh. Nearly 22. Well, I think you got a lot of wise words. And what I got from it last time is that you, I remember you saying something like, um, you know, it's a part of you. This is, mm -hmm. and you've just yeah. learned to, you know, ask the right questions on how to deal and cope with that. And it was something that I've taken away since, I don't know if I said you a minute ago, but I took that <laughs> away. And it's, yeah. you know, we've all got our strengths and we've all got our weaknesses. And mm -hmm. um, I, I've, I've kept that with me now. And even talking with my children, so, well, that's a part of you. So we just got mm -hmm. to, you know, make a, a way to, you know, deal with that. So thank you yeah. for that. Um, yeah, it's fine. But anyway, so we're going to kick things off. So we're going to talk a yeah. little bit um so you're 22 i was yeah. um we're not just talking about asperger's you, you you was diagnosed with asperger how old were you uh oh god uh four to five uh yeah. um yeah about four or five uh when i was well it's kind of interesting so um uh so basically i would i was about four or five when i when um the signs first spotted about me pretty much so this was back in nursery when um um i was uh, just you know being a normal kid whatever and basically what would happen is the teachers um at the nursery they would notice that i was being a little bit different to uh the other kids pretty much so they would then say to like my mum um at the time um uh we've think Charlie's showing signs of autism pretty much. Um, and so it just went from there really. So from that, we got referred to by um, multiple people. So first the nursery referred to our GP and then our GP referred to um, me and my mum to uh, this charity called CAMS. Pretty, um, and it was... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it was just like a lengthy process with um, multiple uh, psychiatrists. So the, so the signs were first spotted at four to five, but I actually um, didn't get a, a proper diagnosis until seven. Um, so 
that was a lengthy uh, process. But yeah, basically um, what happened, by the way, I'm looking to my, to my side locks because I've got my laptop beside me to keep me on track because I unscripted, I ramble a bit. So if I look to my side a bit, oh, I'm that's all right, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, so basically, um, yeah, so we referred to like multiple psychiatrists uh, pretty much. But um, basically uh, we were like, I don't know, five, six, seven, basically, but it's not until we've got to CAMS, really, where we had two main um, uh, psychiatrists who were, who were really helpful. Um, I hope I remember his name right. The first one, he was called Dr. David Jones, and he was really helpful in evaluating me. And then I think uh, uh, he got replaced um, with another person called Nadia. And so the, it was all about like gauging my, um, evaluating my communication, my social interaction and uh, recognizing emotions pretty much. So because um, what they would do is they would get like emoji faces and be like, do you recognize what this emotion is? Do you, do you know what this face is? Yeah, you know, sort of thing. Um, so that was pretty much it really. Um, and like the thing that, <laughs> talking to my mum about this, it was like one of the very first psychiatrists that we spoke to said that like, oh, Charlie will never drive a car. I can't see him living by himself, being independent. I can't see him doing anything on his own being, you know? So like <laughs> when you look about 12 years later and I'm in my own house doing policing degree, my <laughs> we were like, oh, okay. Sorry, I'm gonna butt in a bit. Sorry, I gotta say, I, I, I think you're one of the most independent. Yeah, <laughs> I've come I across fair. Yeah, so you can quite a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So talking to my mum, she wants to like meet her again and be like, hey, remember this person who you said like couldn't, um, you know, do any of this stuff? Well, here we are. Here we are now. Um, yeah, it's funny, um, but basically, yeah. Um, so that was my the process of my diagnosis, recognizing the signs, being referred to my GP, and then my um, going to CAMS and then seeing all these psychologists and um, uh, evaluating me on all these things with my interactions, my recognizing emotions. And um, like literally um, my mum has like, so she's got year, years worth of paperwork regarding all the seminars and all the stuff that and everything so it's was a huge undertaking um pretty much um so yeah when i first got my diagnosis um the next step was okay he's been diagnosed now what what where else do we go from this and this kind of ties into what i wanted to initially talk about first so um after the diagnosis like my mum personally didn't have any support offered to her after the diagnosis. So she had to go and look for most of it herself. Um, so she had to go out and look for seminars to attend to, meetings to attend to, to teach her how to recognize um, and what to do when I have a sensory overload, how to recognize how I would react when I do, uh, when we would, when this situation would happen, when this thing, certain thing would happen, going to the supermarket, going to see family and friends, whatever, you know, sort of thing. Um, so, uh, 
so eventually she was able to recognize you know me enough and my behaviors and she would provide that to the schools and the charities pretty much because our main support came from um uh this charity and like the charities in the schools so one of them was forest pulse which was um a charity dedicated to helping parents um and children um with autism and so like we would go on trips we would, i would have youth club whatever so like um and then so that's how she learned and more about i did well we as a family came to terms of how to deal with my autism pretty much um so um yeah so after youth club happens uh well whilst i was still doing youth club we would she would, we would have a school planner and she would would write my mum would write in the school planner like um charlie would react like this in this situation and the school reacts appropriately pretty much um but the one of the lucky lucky things that happened was um my when we first moved into um our, one of our new addresses in Lydney, uh, Beauchamp Meadow, was my mum met her uh, her neighbour for the first time, Helen, and her son Jack, who also had autism. Um, Helen was um, she was a little bit more experienced, I would say. Like she was she was dealing with it a bit more. So of course, when my my mum moved um, a few doors down. Um, they just sparked a conversation, whatever, and it just went from there. And it also, and Helen was also a trustee for the for Forest Poles, the charity that I would end up with. And a few years later down the line, my mum would also end up becoming a trustee herself, really. So, yeah, that's kind of how it how it went, really. So I was supported. Um, I would always have like a main TA in. Um, primary school, secondary school sort of things. So going through the education system, I always had like some form of uh, support, but the main thing I really wanted to just like to say was like, my mum had, had to like do most of this herself. Um, she had to um, find these seminars herself. She had to um, research all this herself, really. So like, no one really came up to her and went, um, uh, we know this is difficult, but this we recommend doing this or like seeing these people do, doing this or using these techniques. You know, she had to uh, learn most of it herself, pretty much. So it was a rough, like, time going uphill like that. So yeah, well, she's done. Um, she's done an amazing job, uh, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's, that, it's real, real honourable work. You know, to speak. Obviously, we, we all would speak, you know, highly of our parents. Yeah, about that. yeah. And I, I and I hope the systems change. From from my experience, it's a little bit different. I, I feel it, it yeah. has, but I also know yeah. that it, it can be different around different parts of the country. Yeah. Um. Mm. So, uh, I'm hoping to get your mum on at some point, right? Yeah, she said she was happy to. You yeah. know, uh, she spoke to me um, earlier, and she said she was happy to provide for my parents because I'm only speaking from my experience, but. She said she's happy to come on and um, discuss it from a parent's point of view on what it was like 
and emotions and the struggles going through. So yeah, she'd be a nice person to talk to regarding like the process and having a parents view of it. Yeah. yeah. So something I, um, I don't know if you just said it a little bit then actually, Charlie, um, mm -hmm. but when we were talking before we come on, you know, on air and you, you said something is that this, and it, and it was really what, again, wise words. And I think it can be taken away for anything. Yeah. And you pretty much said something like, I let you, you know, say it in your own words, but you know, you said this is the problem. And it's about asking. Oh, yeah, yeah. So basically, I, what I said was on the lines of, um, you don't just like work around it. There's no cure for it. There's no um, just ignoring it or whatever, and just letting it uh, play out. It's like this is what we've got. This is the hand we've been dealt. How do we? So how do we work around it then? How do we? move on with what we've got really. So it's not some case of, oh my God, my, my child has autism. I'm completely stuck. I don't know what to do. This is, um, am I a bad parent or like, is he just a misbehaved child, whatever? It's, no, it's like, or like, oh my God, my son has autism. I don't know what to do. Just take a step back and just um, go looking for it, for it, you know, like just, learn what to do with the hat with what the situation that you've been dealt with really i i think i think sorry that's, that's such wise words and do you feel that having that experience in right this is just with anything now do you feel you have that attitude anyway to a lot of things that this is the way it is and this is right how do i get around this yeah. I oh, do. Yeah. oh god yeah like yeah. uni for example you know like exactly this is the assessment i've been given like or even better like given the whole situation with covid and all of that it's like um actually yeah i've just got a perfect example when covid first started um and i was like okay instead of going oh my god i'm stuck inside can't can't do anything um this is going to be a hell i flipped it around and said okay this is a scenario where i can just crack on with uni work now. I've got no distractions, you know. I haven't got any friends to distract me to go out with. And um, I'm not saying my friends are a distraction, whatever, but it's just no, like, I know uh, what you mean. That, yeah, I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, the, the, opportunity, the opportunity has been provided to me to catch up with uni work and be as productive as possible. Um, and that was it, really. So, yeah, um, that's the perfect example I can think of, you know. Hey, because, you, was on, you was on training with me as well. Nearly yeah, I was. Oh, that was, yeah, a bit tired, but you got there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's what I liked about it. It got me out of bed, you know. It like the whole COVID thing in the morning kickboxing classes. It forced me, like I chose to. I like I I could have chosen not to do the morning classes. I could have, you know, I could have chosen staying bed until eleven o'clock or whatever. But like. You know, and of course, I, I think everyone relates to this, but like when you first wake up, you're being cuddled in your nice duvet, you know, you just want to go back to sleep. You can't, you, you're just like a bit dreary and you just can't be bothered. But like once you get over that initial process and then like 45 minutes later, you've done um, uh, like uh, fitness, kickboxing, um, you just you feel a bit more better and ready to tackle the day. So that's why I try and force myself more to do um, the uh, morning classes, pretty much. Yeah. So, like, because that for me, it gets me out of bed and I just feel a bit more 
better to tackle the day rather than just get up, have breakfast and just be whatever, you know? So that's my own way of doing it. Do you find like the the routine kind of helps? Yeah. We're going to talk about overthinking in a minute, but does it kind of help with that as well? Yeah, exactly. Well, like actually relating to my autism and uh, in a way, yeah, like I used to heavily, heavily rely on routine. Like I think anyone of my teaching assistants could tell you that if we had a sudden class change or a supply teacher out of nowhere all of a sudden I would just I would just freak out like or like I would just be like no I don't like I don't like this you know so I'm kind of I'm, I'm a bit more relaxed with it now but like having the, the routine nowadays does kind of help me a little bit of like just getting out of bed and just like automatically going okay got this to do got this to do got this to do you know sort of thing you know so yeah just just thinking about what you've just said about COVID now and that, because I guess, mm. um, I mean, for a lot of people that it was a, it yeah. was a massive change in life, you know, it's, it's changed, mm-hmm. it's, it's changed everyone's life. Yeah. Know? Um, yeah. So, by the sound of things, um, I mean, I, I know when, when I was doing the classes, I was, I was quite worried about a lot of people because I could see mentally um, it was taking mm-hmm. its toll. Um, but yeah, it seems like you've handled it really well, to be fair, Charlie. Yeah. Considering yeah. That, that routine shift could have well, quite dramatically, you should be real proud of yourself. But, um, yeah. Well, it's just like either real, like you, I could even, I could have sat there and, well, I could, yeah, I could have easily, when the whole lockdown first started, I could have easily uh, just like sat down in, in my room watching, you know, Netflix and YouTube all day, doing nothing, you know, being slumped on my bed, being unproductive. But instead, I made the active choice to do the morning classes, sit at my desk, get uni work done, do like some circuit, you know, push ups or like sit ups, you know, my own little exercise routine, like go for a run, um, you know, and like, I guess also the, because what I think pre lockdown, I was like busy with. A lot of things. I had martial arts, salsa. I had uni as well. So like, it was like I had a lot to do. So yeah. when the lockdown happened, I used it as a chance to recenter myself. I think because I was um, just going a bit. Um, I was just full on, really. So um, having that break from everyone, I just used it as a chance to just recenter myself, focus on me pretty much to work on my motivation, my attitude, my self-awareness a little bit. So um, that's why, you know, um, I was doing uni work a lot, writing really, just like focusing on me before I was ready. To, I felt like I was ready to um, socialize a bit more when things yeah. eased up a bit. Well, I think that, that's the most important thing really. Like we can't start, you know, we yeah. maybe we'll come on to it a bit, but I know you want to, you're quite passionate about you know what we're yeah. talking about tonight um, yeah. your own experience and and, yeah. I, and, I, and I gotta say you, you are really inspiring Charlie and I yeah think, you know well it's you got a lot of wise words there so um. yeah. well it's only because I know um a lot of people aren't as lucky as like we did like as much as you know um like we eventually managed to like pull it through with the system but I know that um the reason why I'm passionate is because a lot of parents, they don't get support. But, um, I was doing a, yesterday um, to prepare for this interview, I, f- I thought to myself, I wonder how many um, 
parents actually are offered um, support, whatever. Um, and I was, I came across this one article and I was just shocked to discover that um, most parents aren't offered support after their diagnosis. In fact, some parents have to wait for up to like three years for even a diagnosis. And it's just shocking, really. Um, like many parents say that they feel isolated and helpless as they wait to find out if their child has autism you know it's like no one comes up to these parents and like I'm not saying that's the case for everyone I'm just saying there's just a percentage of parents out there where no one comes up to them and goes this is what um we understand what you're going through but this is what you can do to help yourself in a way you know um and like some people there are cases where a child uh, they'll just go to a supermarket whatever and a child will have a sensory overload and the um and like people just look at the parents and go can you get your child under control he's acting out without realizing the full story behind it um I, I, you know what Char charlie you, you've kind of touched a bit of a nerve and you are so right i think there needs to be a lot more education on it yeah you know a lot yeah. more about autism awareness and i i hear yeah. it from some parents that yeah. you know, i know and even even my own experiences to be honest um yeah. you know my eldest um mm. he's not autistic but some people would often judge him just because he got these yeah on and think you know oh he should be you know almost yeah. tied up it's like crazy what comes out yeah. of his mouth sometimes I, mean, I think it's fear I, I don't know or fear they just don't fully understand yeah. it but yeah yeah know. Um, but yeah. actually, listening to you again before coming on air, you, you had some, again, you made so much sense. It was about, um, you know, in the workplace. Oh, you mean my dissertation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So you're writing a dissertation. Yeah. First, say what your dissertation is about. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, for my final um, year at university, pretty much, um, I'm doing my dissertation for, for people who don't know what dissertation is it's basically like the the biggest assessment as you could possibly do as a student in university it's like the end all um send off assessment really um but the thing about you can pick any topic you want so basically i chose to do the benefits of um having autism in the police and just like discussing the uh, skills that some people with certain disabilities can have and bring to a workplace like ADHD, dyspraxia, dyslexia, autism. Um, like people uh, don't, I think people don't realize sometimes is that these disabilities actually um, inherently improve by or give people these skills such as pattern recognition, concentration, focus, coding, programming for computers just like observation, you know, um, or like map reading, you know, or like anything really. Like I said, it. I think I said it to you beforehand. Um, if if you just sit back and well, not sit back, but if you let the child or like the person with autism find out what area of comfort um, they can grow and develop on, either map reading or uh, organization or something like that then le let them go in that direction and help them don't try and force them because like never force someone like that to go on a path they don't want to do so let them decide what area they would like to um, go on and 
um, then help them go on that path, really. So, and that is why I'm doing this dissertation, really, to say, like, that you can, um, these people with these learning disabilities can inherently um, bring, be useful assets if you use these, uh, let them use these skills appropriately, pretty much. Uh, I totally get what you mean. I, and I guess that, that skill they bring is actually a much higher level yeah. than uh, anyone else, I'd imagine, ba based on my experience in yeah. it. Um, I, I think that's amazing. So, because it's, and it's policing your studying, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think, it, oh, that's. So, I think yeah. Videos on that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I think that's great. I think that's really good advice because, and again, it, it needs that education. It needs it from someone maybe like yeah. yourself yeah. and your mum. Yeah, it's, yeah, again, it's just such a shame that not every parent in the world is offered the chance to, um, like, have support like that. You know, we just happened to be at the right place at the right time with, like, my mum meeting her neighbour and, like, you know, having the school the way it was, you know, sort of thing. It was like, we just happened to be at the right place at the right time, but not everyone is um, fortunate enough to have these... Um, these scenarios and have it and have it like that you know like they have to literally learn themselves and literally put up with it you know when that shouldn't be the case you know they should have the correct support and someone come up to them and teach them how to deal with it like that you know so that's why like the passion side has just like grown a little bit more um over the past year i would say like because i understand like from my own experience, how difficult I used to be, you know. Um, so yeah, um, just like the more people I can, who can, through um, I can help the better, really. So because like it's because it is a stressful situation, and like again, that child, the child isn't behaving badly. It's just like you just need to let them. You just need to allow the situation to uh, grow, and you just you just need support, really, you know. Yeah, I totally, and I, I, um, I, I can, you can see how passionate, but the thing is, I think, uh, again, I admire you because you're very open about, yeah. um, you know, the things, not, I don't mean like Asperger's, I think, you know, like, like things that, you know, maybe are weak strengths, are weaknesses, you're, you're very yeah. much you know, yeah. like this and, you know, this mm. is right now and this is how I've had to work with it. And, and as I think we said was that you've, you know, you, you're turning, you, I feel you've turned Asperger's and your autism into a, your... Yeah, friend. hugely. Yeah. yeah it, it's your superpower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. You have. It's like this it's comic about you. It is just, it's become your superpower. I, I well, know. again, if we can, I mean, that's a good way to think about it. If we can, you know, get parents and kids to think about that, like this disability is your superpower rather than, oh my God, this is something that was going to be hard to deal with, whatever. Like, that's a nicer, I like that. You know, if you turn it on its head like that, that it embraces positivity a bit more, you know? So, yeah. Definitely. And I think, um, I, I know, that, as you said before, that everyone's, every child, every person's different and there's, you know, on the, the spectrum. But yeah, it, um, but I'm sure, you know, listening and watching this today, people are going to get a lot from it. So we're going to talk, we haven't gone yeah. on to the subject what we're going to talk about, really. But um, yeah, but that is something I wanted to talk about first. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's really, really important. Um, there's some great stuff, and I think for anyone watching this, whether yeah. they got um, 
you know, whether they have autism in their family or around them or just not at all. I, I think there's a lot for everyone to get out of this anyway. Yeah. You know, just, mm. um, yeah. Podcasts even. So like we talked about overthinking. Now I'm yeah. a terrible overthinker and I. Absolutely. Um, I think everyone is a overthinker. Yeah. 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 So uh, give, a, give us some examples and then like you've got, I'm yeah. quite impressed with the, the method you got to deal with it. So yeah, so one example, like oh god, there's many, there's too many, but <laughs> well, don't overthink them because <laughs> yeah, no, 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 exactly, ironic. Um, no, one example could be like um, if I've already made plans, like to go on a trip or something, and then someone will say like, oh, can do you want to meet? um at this time whatever but then that clashes with my trip and like because I made that plan first and then so like I think it's just generally having to say no to someone when I've already got plans booked really because I because I think what happens in my head's head is if I say no to someone then I feel like I'm letting them down and the analogy I use is like once that bit of bit um that seed is planted in your head that little thought right there it will just sit there and it will just grow and grow and grow until all you can think about is, oh my God, I've let this person down because I said no to them because I had plans beforehand, you know, sort of thing. You know, it's like, um, that's one of the things I had to um, learn to uh, deal with sometimes was um, saying no, um, when, because I can't do everything, you know? So I, it's okay to say no to plans like if you're already booked and you can rearrange it, you know, sort of thing. Because one of the um, things that I always struggle with sometimes is like when I get too deeply attached to people and like keeping my friendship with people sometimes. So like when I say no to someone, I'll for the next like few days, all I can help think about is, oh my God, I'm I can't, I've let that person down. They don't want to be friends with me. Um, like they don't want to spend time with me anymore because I said no to them. Um, that, oh my God, this is mad, whatever. So um, that's an example right there, really. Um, and it's just like general stuff, such as um, when I'm interacting with people, like was my energy too high? Was I waving my arms too much? Was I speaking too loudly? Was I, you know, or like if um, I made a joke and, um, the reaction I get, I don't, if I feel like isn't worth worth it, you know, then I'll come away from that, you know. Um, it's just like many things, really, you know. Or if I, if um, someone says bye to me in like a flat tone, whatever, I feel like, oh my god, did I upset them? Like, you know, sort of thing. It's like becoming because I've always like because I assert myself um, recently. Like, I think. Uh, I've just attached myself more and thought about other people too much, you know, like caring a lot about other people. So like, if I feel like I let them down that seriously um, uh, lowers my demeanor a little bit. So it's just like learning to re relax and um, just like, it's okay to say no or whatever, like this little thing isn't gonna break your friendship with someone, you know? Oh, so that's yeah. right there. And I, I said to you, I said to you before we come on air that it, in theory, no, it shouldn't. And, and yeah. sometimes we do have to say no. And I think yeah. that's how you find out who is a good friend is, is yeah. no, I can't. And how yeah. they react, you know, if they're, all right, no, no worries, yeah. then yeah. good friend. If there's like but, drama about it, oh my gosh, what's happening? Yeah. Oh no, you got to say no sometimes because- Yeah, actually, yeah. Sorry, actually, a good example I've just thought of, when I first came to you to like 
do this mindset explosion you, when you were doing your class it was like no. <laughs> at the last minute I was like for some reason my my brain just like it couldn't get I couldn't get the words out so I stood there for a half a minute like uh, 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 like words please and then I walked away from that thinking oh my god I just embarrassed myself in front oh, of oh Charlie the crazy thing was I was like I was overthinking it I was thinking oh no I had to really rush him then and he's trying to talk about this thing I was like oh, we got a minute I gotta I gotta go back to the class well, don't worry about it. I, and this is the thing. It's like, this is how great friendships are. You're probably overthinking yeah, the same things. But, um, so yeah. how, how, share how you deal with it. Because there's, I, I thought this was awesome. Right. Basically, well, it, everyone's different. So it'll work, different things work for different, uh, different people, really. So this may not work for everyone. But basically, the thing I found comfort in was um, writing, really. So if I just so happen to have a, thoughts running through my head at the time because the thing of overthinking is it stops me from doing productive stuff that I want to do such as uni work because I, I can't do yeah. uni work if I'm um overthinking about like um how yeah. I yeah. how I, I said relate to how, this Carly yeah <laughs> how, I, how I um uh can't have pizza with someone you know because whatever anyway so yeah so that's why I got into writing really if there's a thought in my head I'll just write it down because I into a, a story format because that because in my like ideology, that's me taking it out of my head and um, uh, literally ripping it from my head and putting it away, really. Where so I that I'm not thinking about it anymore. Um, so and then also seeing it in a um, uh, format such as a, a screen or whatever. If I can actually see my what's going on in my head then that allows me like to feel a bit more at ease really so over the past few months especially during the covid thing I, um i got to write mini like short stories um like a lot of quite a few really because um they, these were just like things that i couldn't help but think about and so i thought if i just write it down then that's a format, then I can see it and then understand it a bit better and feel a bit better about it. Cause then that's literally taking it from my head and just putting it on there, you know? I, I so. Do, you know what? I'm so proud of you. This is just awesome because, you know, like you said, not everyone's going to want to write maybe short stories. Yeah. Some people won't. Yeah. Right? Well, and I think that's, that's why I, things, sorry, Charlie, it's a couple of things that uh, can take them from that. And I think I said to you before, is I think because yeah, you've, this is good. Ah, all this clutter yeah. it all comes up in yeah. my head. You're yeah. getting it out anyway. But also, so I think that helps. I think that helps exhaust yeah. what's going on in our head, even if it's yeah. just like talking about it somehow. But yeah. um, I think the fact that you've now turned it into a story, I yeah. think like, it just goes to show yeah. that when something's holding us back, we can totally flip it around. Yeah, exactly. You know, like that's, uh, I totally get you on that. You know, like, um, I think, yeah, <laughs> some people, well, some people don't, I think I was shocked, uh, I think some people would be surprised at how badly overthinking is for your health, yeah. because um, it can affect your hormone system, it can affect your blood pressure and cardio, and cardio, it can affect your mental health, you know, like all these things, it's like, you know, um, it, I was shocked to discover just like how, when I researched it, just how much um, uh, like overthinking can um, like affect people like 
and their well-being, you know? So do you like, think like, it's happening and it's just staying in there? So yeah, yeah. So you're able to now somehow get it out in the method? Yeah, exactly. Like, by no means, I'm, I'm no JK Rowling or any other five-star author, but, like... The, we'll see. I, <laughs> we'll see, yeah. But I just, I just did it for myself because I thought that if I could just get it out of my head and put it and write it in a fun story format. It's someone who's like, um, I put a, like a little superhero twist, whatever, cause I'm you know, like that. But like, if I'm um, just like getting it out of my head and if someone reads it and they can relate to it, good, you know, sort of thing. Cause I didn't just want to write pointless stories. I wanted to write, cause whenever I think of like a story that I want to write, I want to think, right, how can I relate it to me and like, have it have it, make it have a good meaning you know sort of thing but like how do i make the message though not force as, as well you know sort of thing so like that's just like little pick me up stories you know like motivational inspirational stories that i like to yeah. write that every one of these overthinking thoughts comes into my head so you basically you're overthinking let's say is it kind of like so you're overthinking something you kind of get that down but yeah you kind of work out the outcome in a positive context yeah yeah Oh, yeah, I exactly. Well, I always oh, try. Oh, you got to get on this Amazon. You got to publish this. Yeah. Well, I don't want to write stories that have a bad ending because, like, if, no. you read, if you read a story or you watch a movie or a TV show that has a bad ending, that makes you feel like, oh, okay, you know, like I'm all about, I'm all about feel good stuff, you know, yeah, and, like especially you know during the whole COVID thing, it's more important like to remind ourselves like you know we need to feel good and all that, you know. So that's what my stories was about. Whenever one of these overthinking things came into my head you know but it sounds like it's not just hey you know there's let's just feel good it sounds like you're actually finding solutions yeah which is yeah great. exactly yeah like healthy solutions um and i was gonna ask a question and see my brain's gone <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. um and so, so when it's kind of done like that so uh let's say you you've kind of worked that solution out for whatever it is you're thinking about. Mm. Do you then, are you able to then kind of relate that back to yourself in some sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, will, well, it always relates back to me anyway, because it comes from this thought that comes into, or like this thing that happened and uh, that drags me down, whatever. So like all these stories that I write are kind of like me in a way, like, um, you know, so, um, but like, it, this is something that I've experienced that I'm trying to, um, to put a positive spin on in a story format so that if someone else reads it, they can relate to it, you know, sort of thing. So, you know, I'll look back on it and I'll go, yeah, um, on a, when it's eventually written, when I've written it 10 times, um, it's, um, I'll look back and I'll go, yeah, I'm hoping someone one day, you know, but I can relate to it, you know? So, it'll, so yeah, it does relate back to me in a way because of something that I will stupidly think about or like something that is just, I'm thinking down about, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm so impressed. I've got, yeah. Charlie, I've got so much from tonight, me personally. Mm. Um, yeah. So anyone it's, else watching, yeah, drop some comments below. Yeah. Um, and who wants well, to see Charlie's book? Yes, please. Well, books, books. Because oh, oh, books. All right. Even, even better. Yeah. I, like yeah. That. <laughs> I didn't just write one. I wrote like a whole bunch of mini short stories on a whole oh. bunch of stuff, you know, like, 
Because once I started writing one story, another idea comes into my head and another idea comes into my head. And I'm thinking, well, okay, I don't want to cram like 10 ideas worth of stuff into one thing because otherwise that spoils it a bit. So that's why I set aside one idea for each story, really. So I wrote, so I wrote a few, really. Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, I think we're probably going to finish up there, but um, look, thanks oh. so much, Charlie. I think... Can I... Can I offer one small little bit of advice that I uh, yes, quickly? Basically, something that I've done in the past is uh, I talked about before is over apologizing over small stuff and rambling on. Um, like it sounds, uh, some might think of it as a bit crazy, but like when you're overthinking those sometimes and over this small thing that happens, um, what that happens that I've done in the past, whatever, I'll sometimes go on about five minutes on a massive tangent, like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean this because this, 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 and people have to go to me, Charlie, it's okay, <laughs> it's fine, like, this isn't gonna change much. So that's the, another thing that I wanted to say very quickly, like, it's good to be, it's good to be aware, you know, um, of what happens, but just don't go dragging yourself down too much about it and over apologizing for it, you know? Um, because it's very important like that. So yeah, don't go. So it's good to be aware, but just don't over apologize for it. Um, that's one, and that's what I wanted to say, really. Yeah. Well, I think you got a heart of gold, Charlie. Um, <laughs> I try to. I think yeah. I think you got. You obviously, you, the friends that are around you, very lucky to have you there. I think. Um, Hugely. Yeah, you're a lot. You got a lot to offer, buddy. So, no, no, yeah. it is great advice. I think we've all. I, I used to do it a lot, really, over-apologising. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, just, you know, um, it's because it's just because you're a good person. And, and <laughs> so you're trying to please one which you can't do. And you, yeah. I, I genuinely feel you just want the best, yeah. of, you know, everyone that's around yeah. you. But um, no, yeah. just keep being you, mate, and keep doing what you're doing. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm going to get you back. Uh, I think we'll have, have a chat with you and your mum next time. Yeah, I think, yeah, she has said she would like to come on at some point to discuss from a parent's point of view, you know, so she would love to discuss with you. She's a really, she's a really good person and a good source of information, but like from a parent's view of what it's like to raise someone with autism, and I'd yeah. love to be back as well. She's done a good job. Um, yeah. But, all of you, it's, um, but like you said, I think everything's a team effort and it is understanding yeah. what, what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses. Yeah. Um, and like you said, really, any clutter that's going on in our head, just got to get it out. Even just sat talking to yeah. someone, you generally feel yeah. about it afterwards, to be fair, don't you? It's it's always better out than in, like like Shrek would say. But like, yeah, but like, it doesn't have to be writing, like, listen to your favourite music, uh, watch your favourite show, because like, if writing doesn't work, I watch motivational, like, videos or whatever, you know, like, I'll watch my favourite... Um, animes you know with some of my favorite anime characters i inspired to it's true i do i i watch a lot of anime and um characters that i aspire to that really picks me up sometimes you know so it's whatever works you or like exercise and going for a run whatever helps clear those thoughts out of your head then that's that you think works for you that's what it is so writing music watching your favorite tv show running exercise whatever works for you is all i'll say Brilliant. I think you should start your own um, podcast, you know. <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, <laughs> I think I really think you should. I think you've got a lot, yeah. lot to offer. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. All right, I'm gonna we're gonna finish up everyone. I'll speak to you in a bit, uh, Charlie. Uh, thank you yeah, everyone no. for watching. Um, you know, please, if you've got any questions for Charlie, I'm sure we'd be happy to answer um, or, or reach out. Just drop them in the comments below, and don't forget mm -hmm. to you know subscribe yeah. to the channels and that keep you updated with um, other stuff I got going on next week. Um, I think I'm talking about men's mental health, uh, so I'm really looking forward to that Ooh. one. Yeah, it's a good one. That's so, a good one. Yeah. See you next Sunday, everyone else. All right. Bye. Peace. See you. Love. <laughs>